What's up, Cannabis Congregation? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. Today, we're joined by Steve Burke from the International Church of Cannabis. Uh, let's just get right into it. How are you guys doing? Doing great. What's up, guys? Thank you. Thanks for coming, Steve, to the Cannabis Congregation. It's our first religious-themed cannabis congregation. Seriously. It really oh, is. Looking forward to it. Awesome. So um, are you a pastor? What's the title? So that's the, one of the things, though, for those of you that don't know, I'm one of the co-founders of the International Church of Cannabis, which is an actual church in Denver where you can bring cannabis to our services and consume in our beautiful church during services. We're the only church in the world that lets you do this. Uh, and we found, were founded in 2017 on 420. And uh, so we just had our three-year anniversary just a couple weeks ago. And um, yeah, uh, we have no authoritarian structure at this church. So I'm not a pastor or a high priest, although we do sell high priest t-shirts in the gift shop. But there's no structure here. We believe all people are equal. And I don't pretend to know the answers to life's great questions any more than you do. Uh, so I'm not going to certainly preach. So then how do you do the service? Yeah. So our services at the Church of Cannabis in Denver uh, basically consist of a different guest speaker uh, each time we hold services and a different musical guest or band. Uh, so we have we've had everybody from music professors to tech CEOs, to spiritual leaders to, you know, all kinds of different uh, a variety in, in lecturers. So you can kind of think like TED Talks uh, meets MTV Unplugged. We always have a little musical guest to end the evening and everyone's smoking the whole time. And then afterwards we go down and we have a uh, communion together. We all eat, we feed everybody pies and munchies and snacks. Man. Uh, services are completely free uh, if you're a member and membership is free as well. So uh, are you guys recognized like a Catholic church and uh, Scientology? Like, are you all in the same boat? Yeah, we're a federally recognized 501c3 religious organization. So we're in the same boat with any other uh, religious organization. Uh, so if you do want to make a donation, you can go to our website and it's tax deductible. Hell tax yeah. deductible and tax exempt for you, right? Indeed. Yes. Yes. We are a tax exempt organization. That's do you awesome. have a symbology with the, the symbol? We do. Yeah, actually, I'm wearing it here uh, on the hat. Um, let me pull it up to the... Oh, there you go. Green there. It looks kind of, but you said it's in Denver. And I'm, I'm thinking like Rocky Mountains, but I'm kind of blazed when I see that. Yeah, well, that, that's kind of what this is, right? See the little mountains, the little, uh, originally I drew two triangles, one on top of the other. And then I was like, that doesn't feel right because I Googled it. And there were a couple other symbols that were similar that had different meanings. And we wanted our symbol to be completely unique, not with, you know, associated with any other organization. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's no, like, we call it an eleglyph. You know, elevationism is the name of our, our religion. Right and, uh, you know, we believe that everybody who uses cannabis in their spiritual journey is an elevationist. There's no need to convert. There's no grand poobah ceremony. Do you think, because uh, like when I was in the Navy, like Native Americans, their rights were recognized. Uh, and I had a guy that was right next to me who could do peyote on the weekend. And uh, he would come back. And I mean, it was all part of the spiritualness. And, you know, he did it for no shit. I'd be doing it because it's a Friday night. But he was doing it for... Uh, spiritual guidance and can i go in you think back into the military as a uh, elevationist and probably smoke my weed on the weekend do you think listen you know with the military i don't think you're going to see any bending of the rules for uh religious purposes if they believe that it uh, is going to make you a less attentive uh member of the military i think right now you know, we're not going to see uh, certain leniencies for quite some time we don't even have federal legalization yet so 
you know, high hopes, but I don't think that's going to happen soon. Yeah. And as a lawyer, I'm just tell, telling you, Miggy, that um, the Rastafarians have already tread this path and it was not recognized. And so when you said that when Steve said that they had a, a 501c status and they're an actual uh, tax exempt, you know, religious organization, I'm like, no way. Well, that's some progress, but they still won't recognize it. Like you can't. Yeah. You can't use it as like an affirmative defense for a crime, you know? That's what I was looking for, really, because I know there's a guy in Texas who's serving time for, uh, he's a Rastafarian, right? The guy from Oregon. And then, uh, uh, like I say all the time, I really don't have religion, but I do believe in cannabis. I mean, that's a, a fucking thing. You're totally yeah. an elevation. And people have been using cannabis for spiritual purposes dating back to ancient China thousands of years ago. It's certainly valid and as valid as anything else. Uh, and, but from a legal perspective, one of the things that makes our church different than other, you know, nonprofit churches, we're not selling or trafficking in marijuana like every other cannabis church organization out there. You know, this this case was tried by the federal government. Uh, if any of you have seen the movie Square Grouper, uh, you should yeah. definitely check that out. We had Bobby on the show. There was a, a famous, you know, uh, church here in Miami Beach that operated out of a mansion on Star oh, Island. Yeah. And they were doing hundreds of millions of dollars in cannabis trafficking. Yeah. Uh, and they got away with it for quite some time because they kept, you know, saying it was my religion. You can't stop me. But, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, it, when it comes down to paying taxes, uh, you can never beat the IRS. So, mm. you know, we, our organization, we don't we don't sell weed. We don't distribute weed. Uh, we're just a place where you can bring your own and come to our talks and come listen to the music and come have conversation and explore different spiritual journeys together. Are you familiar with OMAC? No, I'm not. OMAC is a religious uh, group out here in Washington, also in I mean, Pacific Northwest. I don't know much of their history. I just know uh, Joy Graves was part of that group, and she is a spiritual leader. She was she knew Jack um, Herrera and all this other stuff. But the thing was, like you're saying about the the front, like there were people who were taking her uh, religious group and anointing other groups, but they were fake anointings, and that was really pissing her off because, you know, some people do believe in this. People want to have this is my sacrament or whatever and yet people don't understand it's kind of like when you tell people look cannabis can help you with all your ailments and no one believes that really it's that many shits that you know why why aren't we just doing it now yeah listen one of the things that i think uh you know as as one of the co-founders we all had these conversations when we're found you know when we were founding our church you know we didn't want to you know have it have the appearance of that we're trying to profit, uh, we're trying to, to sell, or you know, we're using this as a front. Like We want it to be all about spirituality because, yeah, absolutely, I've become a better person as cannabis entered my life. I, didn't, I wasn't a, a, a pot smoker as a teenager. Uh, I didn't really do it in college. Um, but as I started doing it in early adulthood, I noticed you know, it was really elevating my personality and myself to a better version of self. And so that's kind of what elevationism is all about. It's about being the best version of you you can possibly be. And if you use that plant as part of that journey and self-discovery and part of that spiritual journey as you, you go out into the world, um, you're an elevationist. Embrace it. You can be an elevationist Jew. You can be an elevationist Christian. You can be an elevationist atheist. You do not need to believe in God to be an elevationist. Uh, if you right use on. cannabis as part of your spiritual ritual, 
Yeah, and if you believe that, don't forget to smash those likes and then leave us a comment down there. Tell us why you use cannabis and if it makes you more spiritual. So, uh, Steve, do you have a lot of knowledge then about the spiritual uses of cannabis over time? You know, I, I, I've read up a little bit. I, I don't claim to be any expert. Uh, you know, there's, there's definitely all kinds of interpretation with, you know, ancient manuscripts, certainly the Bible, Genesis 121. Uh, you know, cannabosum and the definition, and it was the anointing oil. Did it have cannabis in it? There's all kinds of theory. It's all kind of hearsay. You know, it's whatever you believe. You know, ultimately, it's it's your belief, and I respect whatever you believe. Like, yeah. did, did Jesus use cannabis back then? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know, possible. It's you in know? that area, right? You know, you know that. sure. I mean, they were using the hemp plant. I mean, it grew everywhere. Um, yeah, yeah, it's possible. I don't. You know, I'm kind of a one of those scientific proof guy to got kind of guys like I, I, I don't really hard because you're talking about a historical text from thousands of years ago. And so like uh, as a guy who's been in litigation before and read legal briefs and drafted them and, and legal opinions, uh, interpretation, even in modern day contracts where we all know what kind of what the word says, people disagree about it. And so now you're going to tell me that I read a translation of a translation of a translation of, of a book that's 2,000 years old. Word of God. Boom. Got it. No problem. You ever play a telephone game with a little kid? Yeah. yeah. He gets around. You're like, what? That's not what I said at all. Um, yeah. Listen, that's why the word's called faith. Yeah. Right? yeah people have faith in something. It's, it's, it's without proof. You just believe. And I respect people who do. And I respect people who don't. And, you know, for me, it's I have my own my own journey and I don't I don't try to push my belief system on anyone else. Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. And that's what it's all about. You know, it's just your your, your spiritual path and self-discovery. And, you know, we, we encourage people to try. I don't think cannabis is for everybody. Some people, they, they don't have they don't like it. They don't like how it makes them feel. That's yeah. OK, too. But I do think that everyone should. Uh, to try it. And it's not certainly not dangerous. Mm -hmm. Um, if it helps you, I've become a better person. I've become more patient, more understanding, more forgiving. I've made more money. I'm more creative. Uh, I have more passion. So, you know, for me, it certainly benefited me and helped me discover what makes me happy. And, you know, that's kind of what I think life's all about. And like the definition of a church, it seems to me that you've created a safe space for people who believe in cannabis, you know, uh, and, and being like in your position with a guy with like a hundred hats, I mean, do you feel like, oh, shit, I created a church. Now everybody thinks I'm some sort of like religious like leader, whereas you just like are just providing a safe space for others. Yeah, no, certainly. I don't think anybody feels that way about me. I, I'm certainly I don't have a following like that at all. You know, like it, it's our church is a little community of people in Denver and we have people all around the world that tune into our services when we went on Zoom uh, due to COVID-19. Um, so that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, it's really all about fostering community. And honestly, I don't think we've done a great job of it. Um, we're actually getting ready to hire a new vision director at the church. And, uh, so, you know, I think we can certainly be better at it. It's, it's not easy to foster community. Um, if you look at, you know, churches around the country, they're going out of business, you know, every week left and right. It's, you still, as a church, you still got to pay your electric bill. You still got to pay your gas bill. You still got to pay your people that, you know, you, you employ, and if you're not bringing in enough donations, like you're going to go out of business. You got to figure out a way to make money because, you know, you can't just exist in this world for free. So, um, you know, we're, we're certainly looking at how to uh, do a better job of fostering community and are open to suggestions. Well, especially with cannabis people, that's just a pain in the ass. 
I mean, the only time you get us all together without fighting is on 420. Yeah. Well, one of the things, though, because the the uh, service, and I'm assuming, I'm not sure if we should call it a service or more of a presentation or experience, uh, includes cannabis. And uh, it's not, I mean, I, I'm assuming if you go to one of these services and you don't have any, you know, for some back in the day when people used to share joints, uh, you might have been able to get high as well. But, um, you know, hopefully you're bringing your own and you're just not always. No, have, like, listen, if you can't afford to, to bring weed, like certainly I'm sure our congregation is very generous. They share um, yeah. right after coronavirus. I don't know that people are going to be passing joints around anymore, at least not for a little while. The culture of sharing in cannabis certainly may change. And you know, I was always a little bit nervous even before coronavirus. I was like, I don't want to get a sore throat, you know? Right. Um, you know, I don't walk up to somebody and ask them for a sip of their beer when I'm at the bar. So, like, you know, everyone, in my opinion, should have their own joints. And, you know, the, the right. consumer market will eventually get to that point. You know, ritually on 420, you have a big joint. We pass it around. That's fine, you know, take your risks. But, um, <laughs> but you know, and then we're going to get back to that point where your church will be full again. Cause I mean, you're, we're taking a risk every time you leave the house now. Right. But, uh, like you were saying, I know guys who are in an industry and kind of woke me up when they carry like a little, um, cherub, a little, like, uh, so when the joints get passed, they put it yeah. in there first. They sell selfies now that are like a one person, yeah. yeah. you get like five, six hits off of it. And like, you know, I'm sorry, man. I don't hope, I hope I don't offend anybody out there of your audience that like can't get high from weed anymore and they have to do dabs, but like <laughs> you may need to, you may need to take a break and get that tolerance down a little bit. Like, you know, not for everybody. Some people right. may some people need, need the medicine. Tolerance. Some people need the medicine. We, uh, yeah. they have the dab roast out in uh, Washington state and Miggy was uh, a contestant. How did they frame that? They were trying to see if you would be a good co-host or something. Yeah. Right? We were, they, uh, he's now got the series going. But uh, we all were doing our dabs and uh, uh, just trying to see who could hold their own and still interview people at the same time. And I'm I'm a flower power person all the way. Like I think I almost died twice that day. Yeah. I did take like two grams too. The first time I, I had dabs, I took way too many. Everybody wanted to to buy me a dab. I was at this you know bootleg speakeasy dab bar in L.A. on Olympic Boulevard in a huge former Bank of America building. That was this crazy place called the 57 foot long dab bar or something or hash bar wow. right mm. and i walk in there and there's like hot girls behind the bar with like blow torches on their belts and there's like a chalkboard behind them with all the different waxes and shatters and everything and there were tvs everywhere and the lebron james is in the playoffs and i'm like man is this place real that's like, the future man totally the future that's like 20 year old styles the police not shutting this down this was years ago guys like seven yeah. eight years ago Oh, wow. um, and, and it was it existed for like well over a year and it was awesome it was social and people were having fun and they had food and drinks and you can watch the games and everyone's smoking and taking dabs and so that was my first experience with dabs i took way too many and yeah. you definitely it's dangerous in my opinion when you take way too many i don't think it's necessarily good for the industry uh, you know, trying to normalize it. And you got these average soccer moms in Ohio that are looking at people with blow torches and these rigs and these crazy things. Right. Like, you know, they're, they're less scared of a joint. They're less scared of a drink or, or a pen. vape pen. You know, the well, that's what the dabs are now, the vape pen. Yeah. So the vape pen or like the nectar collectors and that stuff is way less scary than some crazy contraption. Or the battery uh, that you've hooked up from a car because it has to heat the element right, you know? <laughs> right, right. Indeed, so, you know, listen, if people oh, need not to affect that, and I, I'm not—I'm certainly not, 
you know, if, if, you, if dabs is your thing, great, you know, but I think there's a lot of people that do do dabs that actually probably could uh, take a break and lower their tolerance and get high on flour again. I think it's healthier. Yeah, I've only done dabs once. Uh, high times backstage over at Hempfest last year. They're tasty and they get you real high real quick. But yeah, they, 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 they do have a good flavor. I mean, like if you have a real nice extract and it's got a great terpene profile, you know, it, that, that was nice. Like, you know, let's think of from the flip side. If you're a legislator, right, and someone's never done a dab in their life and they, get a, they do a dab, mm-hmm. drive behind the wheel? Oh, heck no. Okay, right. Yeah. But maybe after maybe after an hour. Okay, right. So how do we how do we police this? How do we regulate it? You know, because like you know, driving. Same way do it. Some people are are better drivers when they're high. There's no data that suggests that you're a worse driver when you're high. But doing a dab gets you a different level of high. Well, I think I think the dab dose is something that people will take into their own personal life and how they do it when they do it. I mean, I know there are some people here in Washington in the early days because there's different ways of doing extraction. Right, that's all it is. It's not. You know, we call it dab, but it's just goddamn hash. It's goddamn, uh, you know, shatter, whatever. Still hash. I mean, like, yeah, was at least had some plant material in it. This stuff, they've, it's just forms of uh, concentrate. But like here in the early days, I think sometimes it was like not purging enough. So like the BHO ones, the ones that were using propane, you know, you're doing a little extra than just, uh, uh, you know, pure cannabis. You're taking a little uh, propane in with it. And I think that affected a lot of people's. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hypothetical question. What if someone found a way or discovered a way to freebase pure THC um, or, or, or like with needles injected right into your bloodstream? Should that be legal? I don't you, See, really, really getting into the drug as opposed to the, the cannabis. Yeah. I mean, now you're talking more about it's the delivery, uh, method. Uh, it's the delivery method, right? Yeah. yeah uh, delivery method. Uh, you know, you've turned a, a flower into a drug then. Cause like you've extracted it, you've purified it, you've made it injectable. Uh, so, but that's, those types of regulations are there. I was just reviewing New Zealand's uh, proposed one for another video that I'll do. Cause New Zealand's going to be voting on uh, legalizing cannabis this fall. And they, uh, they have some limits that they've built in for the potency on it. However, um, I'm not sure if we should regulate the potency as much as we regulate the purity and then maybe the availability. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Maybe if they, cause in Illinois, we have social use cafes back when we used to have social, uh, and so I'm hoping that social will come back, you know, as the COVID-19 thing goes away. But uh, what if you're not allowed to, like, do a dab bar? What if you could only do a joint bar? Like, and then the same thing with edibles. Like, you can have too many edibles. And those suckers take some time. The Church of Cannabis is the largest social consumption venue in the world. We're 13,000 square feet. We do not allow dab rigs in our church. Uh, that's something that we don't allow. Like, we're we're... We know that as the pioneer and as the first, uh, we had to be very careful about the imaging and what it would look like to, you know, average America and our neighborhood, right? Because when we opened, there was like a little bit of a war. We were fighting against the city of Denver. The neighborhood association didn't want us to be there. Not and- in my backyard. Rabble, rabble, yeah, rabble. Exactly. Not in my backyard. They're NIMBYs. And they yeah. were worried we're in a nice affluent white neighborhood of Denver that we're going to be you know, bringing in all the bad crowd into the neighborhood. So, you know, we were aware of how to do this responsibly, still respect the spirituality and cannabis uh, element to our, our our ethos without, you know, being a free-for-all where everyone can do anything and come any time of day or night and do as much weed as you want. It was never like that. It was really more about spirituality. And and you have to- it's 420 where I'm at right now. 
Oh, there you go. I'm gonna be right back. I'm gonna somewhere. Okay. Nah. You talk. So when he gets back, we're gonna have to ask him some more questions. What would you like to ask him? We have about 30 people watching. Yeah. So drop them in the comments, and then we'll ask him about it. Because uh, evidently, it is the high holy time right now on the East Coast, and he's joining us from Miami. So we do have a coast to coast smokeout going on in real time. And then me fly over country. Yeah, ask his question. Yeah, I do want to see if he's going to allow edibles because, like, that's the thing. You know, I have, uh, I, I could understand the 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 classification of social use, <coughs> like you know, the classification of social use, and, and then rules. Like, what if? Why don't we have rules like that based on like the metabolism time? Well, so, like, you're not allowed to uh, drive a car uh, for an hour after smoking a joint. Yeah, it makes sense. But again, how are we policing alcohol? Same. Well, I understand that, but we're policing alcohol. We don't say how, how many times or how, how elongated the time is. That's a nice Sherlock. Nice. Uh, that's still pretty cool piece of glass right there. That's still. So uh, do you have a medical card down there in Florida? I do. How's the Truly flower? Haven't tried it. There's a dispensary that's two blocks away from my house. I walk there with my dog. I pick up my medicine. I come home. I, you know, And quite frankly, the only reason I've been doing that lately is because I haven't been traveling to Denver because of the COVID. A lot of times I just bring home medicine from Denver, you know? So, <laughs> nice. I got it. I got it. But then I'm glad that they have it there. Do they have the delivery? Uh, they do have delivery. They do. Um, and they were, you know, it's so funny how, you know, when I first campaigned for mayor of Miami Beach, uh, about nine years ago, I ran for mayor of the city on a decriminalized marijuana platform, amongst other things. And, uh, and I went around and gathered signatures and presented it to the commission and it was so taboo when I first ran in 2011. Now, less than a decade later, uh, it's considered an essential business here in Miami Beach. And, uh, and so all the dispensaries have stayed open, which is great. Um, it's nice to see the progress that our city's made and that our whole country's made. Because as you guys know, if you guys were cannabis activists, which I'm sure you were for decades and uh, last 10, 20 years, um, a lot has changed recently. And this is like, I don't know if we ever expected to see this in our lifetime, but it's a pretty amazing thing that I can walk down the street and in the former Pinkberry space, there's a medical marijuana dispensary that I can pick up my flower and smoke it here with you guys. That's awesome. I hope you guys uh, continue that and, and pass it in 2022 down there in Florida. But I really want you guys to destructure, decentralize the industry so that it's not going to be three or four multimillionaires that corner the whole state. You let a whole bunch of other small entrepreneurs and small entrepreneurs, I mean, about a million dollars or less for a dispensary and about five million or less for a micro grow. Those types of entrepreneurial teams should be allowed to be put together in Florida so they can get licensed and actually go into business. Good luck. Florida is a state that uh, is one of the most corrupt states in the union. Uh, it's right now controlled by 10 companies, the entire state of Florida. They're all billion dollar public companies plus, um, and they're going to continue paying off all the politicians and lobbying against opening up to a system like you just described. So people like you and me are not likely to be able to open up a dispensary, even if it goes wreck here in Florida. That is a crime. And that hurts the variety of product that's available to you too. You know, I, I sure an article. Culture. It hurts the culture. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or it's like the home growth thing too. Yeah, right? like in Colorado, anyone can buy a dispensary, right? Yeah. But there's also more dispensaries in Colorado than there are McDonald's and Starbucks combined. So the competition is great. You're not making tons of money if you open a dispensary. In fact, you might not make any money if you don't know what you're doing. 
because um, there's so many of them. You have to have a good location. You have to, you know, hit the community and everything. But, you know, a lot of the people in Colorado, uh, it's in a very evolved market. They're the first uh, state to really figure out how to, to, you know, democratize the ability to get into the industry. But most of those people that got in were a little bit of risk takers. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was definitely a, a concern of being hit by the feds at some point. And so those people that took those chances had to put up cash. Not a lot of people had cash. Uh, had to be able to guard cash because it was an all cash business. So, you know, Colorado kind of trailblazed the open uh, capitalistic cannabis uh, market. But a lot of states aren't like that. And Florida certainly is not one of them. Have, have you been to Washington during it was medical, when it was medical? Great weed out there. Yeah, well, when it was medical, though, it was a pure capitalistic market. You know, it was uh, kind of like you're explaining about Colorado, which I think, you know, like everybody has a chance. And when it was structured the way it should be, because if you suck, you suck. And if you're good, you're good. I mean, you're going to succeed if, if it's something you're truly into. In Washington, it was, there was no barriers. You know, it was I can plant a seed. And that's what this should be about. It's always been, can I just plant a seed and sell what I grow and then make a living off of it? You know, it's not hard to say this is why it should be legal so everybody has a chance you still need to follow the regs though like i mean it's not like anybody can anybody can start a restaurant but you just market regs right market regs health safety purity regulations licensure so that they know and then seed to sale tracking systems these types of regulations are out there and they're they're really being used but i don't like when they put up those huge barriers and only a handful of the players occupy the whole state because then the the quality of the product really suffers and the culture and the innovation you know it's it it holds the industry back in my opinion you know, we have to be very realistic, guys. This industry is going to be dominated by multi-billion dollar companies. And that's the way America works. And these are publicly traded companies that are going to have lobbyists. And there's going to be people in Washington that just, that's all they do. And it's not going to be a mom and pop. But they need to let have, I mean, yeah, I know. But like microbrews, Tampa, for example, I got some siblings that live in the Tampa area. And they have a wonderful microbrewing culture. It's not like Budweiser comes in and steps on the microbrewers and goes, no. You know, if anything, you know, kind of do. Yeah. Budweiser, if a microbrewer gets really popular and they start doing great sales, Budweiser buys them. So you know, it's it's kind well, of like they're all bottom. Well, next strategy, you know. Sure. What, what about big broccoli, man? I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, you don't see that shit out there where I can just plant a bunch of broccoli seeds and put it in my backyard, and if it's I make good broccoli, fifty thousand percent broccoli. Hey, I'm just saying anything that can grow that that's like the bare America. That's what America's about, right? It's what we're founded on this whole farming fucking uh, agriculture. Uh, you know, as far as America is founded on business, the business of America's business. America was founded by it. We're a corporation at our heart. I mean, like, what do you think the constitution is? It's basically a partnership agreement with the people, you know, it's, it's all about money. And that's what the industry is going to be. It's going to be dominated by the big money players and we just have to accept it. It's just gonna. It's just gonna be all right, guys. We fought for this. We won. But unfortunately, the really, really deep pockets are gonna fucking push all the small people out. And we're just gonna have to accept it, like Coca Cola. No one's making craft colas anymore. You know, you don't go to a local soda shop down the street to get your cola. Like it's Coke and Pepsi, yeah. and just accept it. I bet you, though, as soon as all the states knock down, you know, as soon as there's that whole fucking everybody has a, a way, and then someone's like, all right, we just can't not avoid this whole federal issue because I shared with Tom earlier an article about you guys in Florida where there's some bullshit article about like, you know, Florida, Florida cannabis is reaping it in 
And I'm like, there's only fucking four players. How you can tell me who's the top of the four fucking people like this? Right. And let me tell you guys, I'm in Florida. There's not a single brand that you can ask a thousand people on the street. What brand are you got? They have no clue what brand it is. They just walk them to dispensary yeah. or something. So there's there's still a lot of evolution that's going to happen as far as marketing and branding and what the only brands are really out of California. Like, you know, Cookies successfully did a brand in yeah. Kansas. And that's hard to do, you know. And then there's a couple of other uh, California growers. But, I mean, you get outside of their their footprint, they're nothing. It's, not, it's a like, lot of, not a lot of brands out there still because no. the advertising and marketing has been difficult. Or impossible. Uh, I mean, like it's statute. And so, like, you know, there's rules. But we're ahead to where we used to be because it used to be – you know, to to be the brand, to be the person in cannabis, it was about seeds, right? Like Subcool, all these cats had their own. You know, everybody knew what that was. And now, because Cookies has developed, uh, a, you know, Burner's a fucking brilliant businessman. You know, I mean, he got involved with the strain, cornered it, mastered it. He doesn't. He he backs what he's talks. So that's why I think he's a good businessman because he knows his cannabis. Where you know anybody, if they had a chance to just plant a seed, that's how they get to know cannabis. The home grow issue is so important. Yeah, yeah, I think we're going to see all that change over the next few years. Um, but you know, the one interesting thing to think about is that it might not change in the direction that we think it's going to change. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, we think that legalization is a de facto. It's definitely going to happen. Like, what if it doesn't? What if fucking the political climate changes and all of a sudden, you know, there's a lot of evangelicals in power and they decide that cannabis is, you know, they don't want it. They don't want it, you know, infiltrating their neighborhoods in South Carolina, wherever the hell they live. Okay. So, so, you know, a lot of people automatically assume that um, we're past the point of no return. And that's oh. that the legalization is- I think COVID nail in the coffin, to be honest, because now they just emptied the coffer of every municipality and and state all over the country because it's been shut down for no taxes are coming in. But those bills are very real and they're going out. And this stuff is, and then by this stuff, I mean, cannabis is a wonderful tax boon. So, like, you're going to turn down a free billion dollars for Florida. How about a I'm not sure Florida's market might be more than a billion dollars. You know, well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Let's hope that everything keeps progressing. Um, because I, I, I still think that there's no guarantee that we're going to get to a full federal uh, open market. Here's why I think it'll definitely is because you can't you can't put the toothpaste back in a tube in the sense that uh, you like you're saying, let's say all these angelicals. I have one of those arm and hammer ones that like you get a little bit out on the left back in. And I save a little bit of toothpaste, so I'm not sure that that statement is accurate. Yeah. Got a little pucker in that thing, you know. Sometimes it puts it right back. <laughs> but you know, if you think about it, though, because uh, right, left, who the fuck you are, it's like don't we all want to go forward? I think as far as the whole American ideal and shit. And then if you think about eventually when these people are going to be against cannabis, which we already have them, the Sabats, Kevin Sabats, and whatnot. But you have too much truth to point out. Like like California hasn't melted down. Uh, like, like the COVID crisis, they're recession-proof market that... Well, yeah, people- I, I agree. And I also think that cannabis is one of the only issues right now that is completely bipartisanly supported, right? Like Republicans yeah. smoke weed and Democrats smoke weed, and they both love their weed. So it's 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 just if a if a radical group gets gets into power, uh, then, you know, they could take some of our liberties away from us. But, you know, I do tend to agree with you that we're, we're going to see federal legalization. I just don't think it's going to happen that quickly. I think it's going to be another eight or 10 years until we have a full 
No, I think it could easily be another eight or 10 years. And I think the fastest we might see any movement on on legalization would be if we have a bad recession and Donald Trump's gone and then the Democrats retake both uh, sides of the aisle. Currently, they have the House, but they don't have the Senate. So they pick up a few extra Senate seats. And then you have uh, Biden. But Biden has not really come out against legalization. However, I don't think he's he's a friend of the banks. You know, he's from um, where is it? Delaware, I think. And so then uh, he'd be able to um, be okay with the cannabis industry having banking services. And then you have the Safe Banking Act. And after that, then you still have to see like New York, New Jersey, Florida. You have to see states like that really going toward full legalization and adult use and more rollouts of medical. So it's more accepted. Like Missouri still hasn't rolled out its medical yet. You know, Kentucky hasn't. There's this crazy stuff that's going on in Virginia that makes no sense. Their marijuana laws are bananas. So they have medical marijuana, but it's illegal, which makes no sense. So like it's you could still get arrested if you have your medical card. And then when the state tries to prosecute you, you'd be like, no, I have an affirmative defense. I realize what I'm doing is illegal, but you're not allowed to prosecute me for it. It's 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 stupid. And so that's this prejudice against this plant that we have to face. And as you have pockets of, of cultures based on a state's laws, you know, the that prejudice can perpetuate itself because there's no uh, that you aren't finding out how much of a lie it is because they don't have the dispensary down the street and the world doesn't fall and you know Colorado is a great ex- example and same with Washington state now Illinois but people just aren't living there so it's easier for the myth of cannabis harms to be perpetuated through the stigma and this prejudice if the laws haven't caught up yet it could be 10 years yeah. yeah, you know, and you're right. If the Democrats do take over and Joe Biden is president, maybe they maybe there will be an issue in a recession that they take on, you know. Mm-hmm. And if that were the case, wouldn't Joe Biden be the perfect mascot for marijuana legalization of our generation? Like half the time, he has no clue what's going on. <laughs> it's kind of like you know, when we're smoking, or nobody looks up and he's like, "Yeah, you can." Push I think it'd be great if he starts smoking cannabis and it and it helps with that little mind fog issue that he has. And suddenly yeah. he's like, and I started using it and now I don't slur my words as much anymore. And I don't forget oh where I've been. Wow. That'd be hilarious. Or oh telling bullshit God. stories how he got into a fight. It was weed that helped me along the campaign. I love right. weed. Right. <laughs> but, you know, besides state to state Petri dish that we have, what about countries? You know, because like Lebanon, they just legalized. Uh, Canada has been legal. They haven't collapsed yet. Um, in Luxembourg fact, going to be the first in Europe. I hear Luxembourg is going to be the first country in Europe to, to to legalize, but they're they're proposing all kinds of crazy restrictions. Like you have to be a Luxembourg resident for at least, at least six months because they don't want tourism. Oh, and, they don't want they don't want all the hippies that they are don't want everyone to just on Luxembourg all throughout. Like yeah, they don't want all the hippies of Europe to come into their fancy rich yeah. money. all that dirty money. No, no, they, it's just dirty hippies. They already have the dirty money. They're Luxembourg. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah, you, you'll see the dominoes starting to fall. I think, you know, Germany has a pretty robust program now medically and, uh, you know, it hasn't blown up. Uh, so, you know, everybody uh, is looking at it very seriously. Yeah, even South Africa, I think their hemp industry could probably put us in trouble, you know, be competition, you know, uh, as they get more into it. I don't know. It's certain, you know, yeah, that's a whole nother aspect of the plant and a lot of people in the hemp hemp industry, you know, and think it's going to change the world and it, it very well may, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think Florida will be the first domino to fall in the South. And once that does, I think the rest, you know, Georgia will be right behind it because they don't want to lose out to Florida. And then you'll mm. see 
dominoes start to fall. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Kentucky's got a real shot of actually having medical as well. So I think they're going to be one of those pieces. I mean, Florida already has their medical, but you can see that it's starting to crater and fraction. And so like same with uh, Louisiana, evidently, and Mississippi. Mississippi. Mississippi's put it on the ballot this fall. I'm not sure where it's polling or if it'll win, but they put it on the ballot. I like to see Disney World put a very special section in their park for smokers. You know, it's a recession. Bring them in. Let people smoke their their medical weed in your little section there and make Disney World that much more tolerable to us. That, that Dude, Dis- Disney are Nazis about that shit, though, especially in the uh, California, you know, mm-hmm. the home of the brave fucking I, people getting kicked out for CBD shirts. Hey, so uh, are you going to you said you're going to open up another uh, um, uh church what do you call that you know the congregation or is it a parish do you use the term? Yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna we're looking to expand and bring the international church of cannabis to la and west hollywood has uh has social consumption laws that are now in place so we could actually be completely above board as a social consumption lounge in addition to a spiritual yeah. safe place and congregational place uh in addition to being a venue and being an experience and all these things that we want to bring our 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 uh, do they have like a license type then in LA for uh, social use? They do. Yeah. yeah. Los Angeles has uh, uh, several different kinds of social use licenses. You can have use for edibles only. So you can open up a restaurant and have infused edibles, but you don't have a, a license to have, you know, uh, consumption and smoke lounge. There, there's, there's multiple different kinds of licenses and there are some nuance to them. But from what I understand, um, they're not capitalized. These people who have these licenses are not well capitalized. And it's not an easy business, social consumption, right? So if you don't know what you're doing, you can't just open up. Like, you know, people are in L.A. They're going to go to the beach and smoke. If they want a place to smoke, they'll go to Santa Barbara, go to Venice. Like, you're charging somebody to come into your place and sit in a confined space and smoke. It's not going to be so easy in the most beautiful fucking city, you know, (laughs) weather-wise. Um, so, but you know, we, we do bring a little bit something different to the table with our beyond experience, which we launched last year on 420. So we have a projection map guided meditation, laser light show that we do at the church every single day. That's how we pay our bills. It's called beyond. And, uh, it's, you know, the number one thing to do in Denver on Yelp. It's number one on TripAdvisor. Uh, we climbed the rankings of all the best things to do in Denver. Now we're, you know, this major destination. We can't wait to reopen after COVID-19 is over and we're allowed to. And when we do, we'll be responsible and have, you know, a, a cap of 20 people uh, max in our chapel, which fits 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each show is uh, amazing. We do it every hour. And uh, and we're looking to bring that to L.A. as well. So um, we're, we're really excited about the future of the International Church of Cannabis. It sounds like with the limiting, it's just make it more special, though. You know, just the fact that only 20 people can come in. Because it looks like a, you have a beautiful church. That's a beautiful church you have over there. And then... Um, you know, as a church, you know, you know, you're talking about the social consumption uh, licensing in L.A. Do you think you could be like, yo, we're a church. This is a sacrament. You know, you can't can't fuck with that. So, well, one thing that people don't really consider is churches are allowed to own businesses, right? A church can own a business and pay taxes on that business. For example, many churches have daycares. Well, that's not tax deductible, daycare. Taking care of people's children is a business. Mm. And, uh, and so they pay taxes on that. It's a for-profit business that's run by a nonprofit. So, you know, we can have our nonprofit sector of the church and then we can have a for-profit dispensary attached to the church uh, if you have that license. So there's 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 new and unique ways in West Hollywood to potentially have our congregation and our church be more viable than it is in Denver, because Denver has been tough 
you know, hasn't been different, different types of licensure in Denver then. So you uh, tell us about the structural changes between the, the licenses that you're seeing out in West Hollywood and the licenses that you're seeing in Denver. Well, there are no licenses in Denver. Denver passed social consumption. It was the first city to do so. And it hasn't granted a single license for people to smoke in a social setting. Uh, there's no place. There's a couple of bootleg places, uh, but Denver does not. And so the church is not under any sort of social consumption license. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't profit off of people coming and socially consuming. Like I said, we profit over our uh, beyond experience, which helps you know pay our bills and make sure that we have a, a staff, et cetera. Um, so we had to kind of pivot and figure out a way to do so because we cannot just charge people a $10 cover and they can come and smoke weed in our church. That's not how the church makes its money. And it's not allowed according right. to the law in the city of Denver. That's how Seattle Hempfest gets away with organizing 200,000 people at a park, you know, because it's a nonprofit. The nobody's, you know, uh, uh, Vivian McPeak every year is always re- asking for money and donation. And that's because it's all volunteer base. You know, the people forget that. Uh, charities and nonprofits got to pay to keep the lights on. You got to pay to eat, you know, and all the other stuff that needs to happen out there. Uh, yeah, if you're working, it's your full-time job, right? We, are, we have a person who's about to be their full-time job to be the vision director and create and foster community and throw fundraisers and raise money for the church. Like that's a job. Yeah, they, aren't, they aren't working yeah. for good vibes. You they're know, not, yeah, they're not working for good vibes. You got to, <laughs> career, you know, people have careers in nonprofit and right. they'd like to help people, but at the same time, they have to feed their kids. Right. So, um, you know, a lot of people just think, oh, you're, you're tax exempt. You don't have to pay anybody. You have no expenses. You're just you're making all this money and you don't pay. Hey, 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 hey. I mean, they oh. think, how do they make the jump of like, you don't have any expenses? They're like, whoa, I can't like go wave my 501c at the, the, uh, the utility company and be like, oh, you were a church. Never mind. Let me just cancel all that power you took. Yeah. yeah. People think that that's the case. And I'm like, you got to kind of make money to benefit from it. Yeah, it's the same thing when I'm talking to some of the people that want to get into the industry. And I'm like, okay, there's some barriers to entry. And I'm like, I don't even know if you have enough money to open up a lemonade stand. I mean, like, well, I'm glad you're passionate, but uh, that's not enough. You know, you need to have like business sense to get in. And I think the sweet spot somewhere between like what we do here in the, well, Oklahoma, Uh, And then also what they do in Florida, you know, somewhere in between there where you can actually have various license types. And I'm really fascinated by this interplay of license type that they have in L.A. with the uh, public use and then also the dispensing. I hope that we can bring some of that to Illinois and then evolve that law so that you can have a viable cannabis market with many colorful players. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I, I, that's definitely. uh, uh, Yeah, I, I think you said it perfectly. You know, it's funny the the nonprofit for uh, religious argument is kind of the same one that's going towards medical, where it's like you can't make money off of growing weed and selling it, like even though it's a medicine for this person who's really sick. You know, it's like listen, if the government's going to allow it, they want to be profiting from it too. So you know, listen, I, and 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 they have every right to. So let them. You know, let's just have a nice regulated market, and you know, it's okay. I I I actually don't agree that people should be able to just not pay taxes on selling weed as medicine to congregations. Like I don't actually right. don't think any religious organizations should actually be nonprofit. I think that you should charge taxes on all the churches, the Catholic church, Jewish synagogues, everybody should pay their taxes. And I would be glad to pay mine too. Um, but you know, it is what it is. This is the law and the, and the framework that we have right now. So if, you know, if they're able to benefit, we should be able to benefit. And that's just the way it is. 
Oh, yeah, I'm not saying they shouldn't pay tax. I just think, you know, regulation, when people say regulation, it's like, what do you mean by regulation? You know, like, I'm a big person, just says lab regulation is the thing we need, you know? If we required it to always be tested, you know, and sold in the open market that, you know, Tom talks about all the time, this this licensed market where I pay to be a player, you know, whereas... Well, it's not necessarily a license. I mean, you're not paying to be a player as much as it's a, it's a certainty and a regulation for purity and standardization so that you're not going to get what they call slippage. They don't... The, the reason why that most of these licenses are like they, how they are is there's two primary concerns. It's trustworthiness and traceability. And so they want to make sure that who's selling it isn't stealing and who's and, and what's getting sold, the taxes are getting collected. I mean, they, it's literally a cash cow. And it's not all that different than how we used to fund the whole government. A lot of the excise taxes on liquor would fund the government until we started getting bloated after World War, not World War, the Civil War, you know? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, you know, the government, they, they create jobs so that they can waste your money, right? And so they need that for the cannabis industry too. They need a lot of jobs and a lot of inspectors and a lot of people. It's part of the machine of why, you know, they're able to get away with what they do and we have to pay taxes for it. And if that's what it's going to take for it to be legal, I'm fine. Do it. Do it. Create all your, you know, and, and, and there's a something to be said about, you know, making sure that the people who you're giving these licenses to aren't people that are, you know, going to not grow good weed and have mites and, and things that are going to make people sick. Like, you know, they, the government's job is to protect the people. And if it's going to cost money to get our quality better and have these regulations and inspectors to make sure that what we're ingesting in our lungs is actually safe to ingest, I'm all for it. Let them make their money. I'll pay my taxes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's just going to be the game. If you want, if you want it, that's, that's how it's going to be. Uh, but I think that it's it's really cool how it's an industry that's fast evolving. And so we don't really know where it's going to go. But uh, the, the the stuff that you have over in, in L.A. sounds like something I can't wait to go ahead and vis- visit. I'd also like to go visit the one in Denver, but uh, that implies that we can start traveling again. What is a typical service like at the uh, at the church? Yeah, so typ- typical service, uh, you know, we have a, a different person that leads services every week. Um, and we, they kind of take their own topic and they, they mold their own lecture for our congregation. And we think that everybody can learn something from somebody. And we try to find really interesting people and interesting journeys and we curate it. And, uh, you know, I think after this COVID-19, the church may actually rethink how it holds its services and how it moves forward to foster community. Because, you know, we've been doing it every week, every Sunday, like a lot of churches do. And, uh, you know, for the founders of the church, like it's tough to do that every single week and not get paid for it. And, you know, basically dedicate a whole lot of time to do it. You burn out three years later, you know, we're we're still doing services every week and we're getting tired. So, you know, unless you're making more money, you can hire more people like you end up doing all of this yourself. And uh, we're going to look at potentially doing a once a month event or, or services at the church. And, uh, and, and kind of less is more. We have a new uh, creative vision director and the parties and the events and the things that we're going to be doing are going to be really rad and wild and amazing and spiritual and beautiful uh, with musicians and art. And, uh, and so I think we're, you know, we're looking at ourselves introspectively. And, All right. How can we be better? How can we foster a better community uh, and, uh, and grow our community? And we might, you know, evolve a little bit and do a little less is more. That sounds pretty good. Uh Oh, sorry. I was going to cut you off, Mickey. Oh, you're good. I blanked that for a minute. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we follow and find uh, the International Church of Cannabis? 
So yeah, we're on Facebook if you search for us. Although Facebook has like weird, it's hard to search for anything cannabis on Facebook right now. So you have to find us. It's facebook.com slash elevationists. And same, uh, Instagram is just at Church of Cannabis. So it's really simple on Instagram, but we're on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a website, uh, elevationists.org, or you can go internationalchurchofcannabis.com, leads you to the same website. You can sign up to become a member. Membership is free. You can join us for our online services. And we're a real physical place in Denver. We would love to meet you and see you. And uh, so come to one of our services in person and come see the Beyond Experience. Thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Thank you. We'll throw those links in the description. Everybody, thanks for joining us today for another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. We'll see you on Wednesday.